Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of James Talks, it's great to have you here and today we've got another interview for you. Um, today we've got um, uh, Lisa DeLay from Spark My Muse podcast. Um, yeah, Spark My Muse is a podcast about um, a lot of the same things that this podcast is about and creativity and spirituality and all these kind of other things and um, Lisa is, uh, has got a lot to say about, um, about all these subjects and about lots of other interesting stuff. And she's a writer, she's an author, and, she's a, and also obviously she's a podcaster as well. And she's also become a very good friend. So I'm really excited to have her here today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, James. This is a lot of fun. Great. Fantastic. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today. So let's just get into it. Um, just tell us a bit of your story, Lisa. Yeah, so I was thinking about this when you when you sent me an email, and I thought, how, how much should I bore these these poor people? Um, but I guess you could say my my story in early childhood has been very formative to who I am now. And I grew up in a Christian context where my parents actually met at a very fundamentalist Southern. Baptist Seminary, and that was the kind of place where you you couldn't do things like really sinful sinful things like play cards, go to movies, dance, or even maybe move in rhythm. I'm not sure. Um, and so this is the this was sort of the atmosphere in which I was born. And my parents went to Puerto Rico as missionaries, and I was born there. And as as it happens sometimes with people who are fundamentalists and extremists, when they change from that, it goes completely the other way. And so my mm-hmm. family experienced a lot of um, swings then, and my father left the left Christianity. You could say we, we didn't pray at meals anymore. We he um, was very disenchanted with with Christianity in terms of, I think, how he felt God had failed him because he had put so much of his life into study and was a very um, charismatic, not in the uh, spiritual tradition sense, but a you know a, a person with a good mind and a great personality and an ability to, to preach well. And, and yet it didn't work out. And um, one instance, there was a situation where we weren't being paid at all. He wasn't being paid at all because the treasurer of the church had a son with a cocaine problem. And uh, all those monies that were supposed to be going to us uh, to just pay the basic salary were going to this boy's cocaine habit. And we had to leave. We were eating only rice. And uh, it was very... My childhood is essentially marked by poverty. And uh, not poverty in the sense that we weren't homeless, but like we didn't ever have, um, new clothes or, um, we usually had food in the house, but sometimes we had to be on assistance. And I think that those, those formative times, and there was a lot of tumult in the house as well, Mm. but those formative times really did make me more resourceful and you have to make your own games and you have to make your own fun. And we would go outside and my childhood was spent outside a lot coming up with our own games and, and activities and things like that because we didn't have very many toys. And, um, I, 
I didn't see that as abnormal or anything. I, I only felt deprived uh, because this is part of the this is part of the extremism is that we weren't celebrating any holidays either. Mm. So those were all considered pagan to my father and that, that was against God's will. And so we didn't do that. There was a lot of uh, physical abuse in the house, which they would call discipline. <laughs> and uh, mm. and uh, yeah. it was a, you know, as you're getting the um, snot kicked out of you, you're being told a Bible verse and uh, about the rod and sparing the rod and stuff. And so I, I had a lot of things I had to get over in, um, in my twenties and my thirties when those things tend to come out from childhood. But mm. ultimately I had a very uh, spiritual life in, in inner life. And I felt I could always talk to God and God was a rock for me. And so were my friendships that were kind of the glue for me in my life when my family life was very uh, tumultuous and eventually my father left and we were trying to fend for ourselves for a little while. But I think that God was with me during that time. I sensed him being with me. I sensed his presence and I was growing in understanding of him and of his ways. And there were some, you know, the church we were going to was, could be very warm and, and familial kind of, but it could also be very legalistic. And I tended to, I tended to ascribe a lot of those qualities onto God that I saw in authorities figures like my father and my, the elders of the church and mm-hmm. so on. They were um, demanding. They were, they could be very harsh and I was afraid I would screw up. And so I attributed all those things to God, of course, as yeah. we do sometimes. Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, and so I think that those were the probably the most formative things. And then I had to unlearn everything. So I had to unlearn everything I had been taught. But yet I knew there was a kernel there that was true. There was something, you know, there was, I wasn't going to be able to buy the idea that I was an accident or that there was no God or that somehow things weren't on a trajectory to redemption in some way, redemption of my story, redemption of humanity, you know? So I continued to follow this, this trail and, um, and, uh, without going into my entire memoir here, <laughs> I, I could just say that, uh, I met my husband, uh, at a Christian fellowship, um, group in college. And it was my, you know, I was definitely one of these teenagers who was, um, just a good kid, just a really, you know, had Christian friends and I would try to not be sinful and all those things to try to lead as, as pleasing of a life to God as I could. Right. Hmm. But it, it didn't spare me from pain and it didn't spare me from really tragic circumstances. Mm. And so the, the first, so I, I usually say that there are three main things in my life that made me who I am and continue to affect me. And I'm sure there'll be other ones I can add, but the first one is sort of what I already told you is sort of a tumultuous childhood and divorce with my parents and, uh, and all of the, you know, and you've been through that. So you know what that is all yeah, like. It's exactly. not like, yeah. it's not like a divorce stops the fighting. I, no, I it's not thing. like, uh, just like, Oh, that's it. <laughs> Suddenly it's all over. <laughs> no. Well, I'm glad we got over that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so obviously that, that doesn't happen. No. Um, but, you know, coming from a, coming from that circumstance, I was like, there is no way 
I'm getting married if I think that it's not going to work. I, I'm going to really look for the right person. And, mm. and if it's not going to work um, and I'm going to have kids, I am never going to put them through that. I, I, I cannot even imagine, um, you know, because there are times you wish you weren't even born. It's so horrible. And so mm. I was trying to be very picky with, <laughs> with my selection. <laughs> and uh, I wound up finding the, the kindest person I had ever met, just the kindest person I had ever met. And I thought, I don't think I'm going to improve on this. This is this is a very tenderhearted person who really is um, is a soft place to land. And, uh, and I thought that that would that kind of person would make a good father and that kind of person would, would really care about me. And so thank God, I, I believe he made our paths cross. My husband was actually originally born in Japan. I was born in Puerto Rico. He was raised in Iowa. I was raised in Pennsylvania. Somehow we, we found each other, but, um, in, in the midst of college, this is the second, this is the second big influential thing. In, in the midst of college, my father, who was 44 at the time, and he was in uh, fantastic physical health, he was a personal trainer at the time, he had a, um, a stroke. Wow. It's actually called a brainstem infarction where your, your artery in your brain just uh, shuts off and you go into an immediate coma. And he was in a vegetative coma, only semi-responsive some of the time, for almost 11 years. Wow. So I never could grieve his um, yeah. absence you know I couldn't grieve a death yeah. it just went on and on and on all through my 20s this was this was a situation and it just destroyed me and I had no idea why God would make such a cosmic mistake I pinned it on God <laughs> and I thought <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I, I pinned it on God and I'm like what <laughs> what is that you know um and I, I just was um, completely brokenhearted and, and trying to trying to survive um, what was just an incredible, devastating loss. Because by this point, um, in the last few years that I that I knew my dad as you know a person who wasn't in a in an invalid in a bed, uh, mm-hmm. I had gotten very very close to him, and he was a cheerleader in my life. And uh, then that was all taken away, and so mm-hmm. I. Had to contend with a lot of pain for, for a long time, and that was part of the unlearning process of who God is and is He with me? Is He trustable? Mm. And um, and then the third one that has been is still in, in a sense ongoing is my first son had had a really complicated um, autistic situation where we didn't know what was wrong with him for a while. He he was developing totally normally for maybe the first 18 months of his life, he was speaking early, he was walking early, everything was going very well. And then he just sunk into his own world and stopped answering to his name, stopped calling us mommy and daddy, stopped um, responding and just went away. And there was something very, you know, kind of terrible going on. He, He was my first one. So I thought, is this a stage? No, this can't be stage. You know, you're, you're wrestling with that. And then, trying to figure out where God was in that as well. And so that led me eventually to go to graduate school and study spiritual formation at a seminary, which, which helped me know a lot about God, but also the kind of place I went to helped me know um, 
know not of God, but also know him more and, and wow. develop a closer relationship. It was sometimes people have the opposite experience in seminary where they almost become atheists by the end. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would say that because of the people there, the teachers there who I think mirrored so well, mirrored Christ so well, I, I was, um, just benefited from that in, in sort of ways that I can't quite explain, but were tremendously beneficial to me, spiritually speaking. And it made me want to, I mean, that's kind of what ties into then my, what I feel is my calling is for people to feel the, the reality of God's love for them and be encouraged to create and communicate in a way that matches their calling and and their unique gifts. And so that's sort of what I've done, been blogging since, um, yeah, I should know this, right? Um, 2006, (laughs) maybe 2007 and, and, uh, out there on the interwebs since for a very long time, I was, I was one of those, uh, early adopters get having an email in, uh, 1992. Wow. That is early. (laughs) That's very early adoption there. Um, and then, um, just starting the podcast in April sparked my muse to kind of, in a way, go where the, where the blog has sort of left off in some way, just take it into a new, to new audiences and longer format. I I really enjoy that. But also if if you go to amazon.com, you'll see, I've, I've done some books too. I think you probably already know that. And, uh, there's maybe, there's maybe five or six that I've done and I'm, I'm working on one right now on, on discernment and, and decision-making in the Ignatian um, spiritual tradition, which is very, uh, a lot of people aren't, haven't been exposed to that, but it's a really fascinating way of engaging God in prayer and uh, was originally developed for men going into the priesthood and still is used for that. And uh, it would be the tradition that Pope Francis comes from and how he would make decisions and what, what exercises, spiritual exercises in prayer how he would come to decisions too. So I'm hoping that that also helps people kind of navigate their calling and, um, and their life in a way that matches well with the desires of their heart and with the character of God as well. Oh, that sounds fascinating. We'll have to do another podcast episode about all that stuff because uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds, all of that kind of sounds really, really interesting, but I find it fascinating how the, uh, the main events that seem to have triggered a lot of your kind of spiritual formation and uh, shaped your creativity and all that kind of thing seem to have been like, you know, traumatic events, you know, diffi- yeah. difficult yeah. circumstances. You know, sure. I, I, I talked to, I've talked to quite a few people and heard their stories and, um, and, you know, obviously read a lot of books and, and it always seems to be traumatic events or conflict or painful circumstances or kind of, experiences that people have which are kind of just shape people out of their comfort zone Mm. which are uncomfortable even if they're kind of positive even if they're kind of just going to a talk or something like that but they shake them out of where they are that make them feel uncomfortable which kind of make which kind of shift people forward because they kind of almost feel like they have to they can't stay where they are they have to go forward um and it seems again it seems the same with you that you've had these experiences that you know, that have kind of made you kind of stop and think, well, I, you know, this isn't all there is. This can't be, 
everything. I have to I have to go I have to go back, I have to learn more, I have to explore this more, and I have to create something as well, which out of what's happened. I mean yeah, that's fascinating. Um so I mean this is kind of tied into what we've already talked about. Um I mean what do you what what do you see as your kind of underlying purpose? I mean what what kind of what kind of drives you? What gets you going? What gets you up in the morning? Kind of thing, you know. Um. Yeah, um, it's a it's a few things, but for for certain, it's being able to create things and use my um, creative abilities. I I have a, I don't know if you've taken the Myers Briggs test. That's a fascinating test mm. to take, um, especially if you're working with other people who are different than you. That you run into conflicts or um, seeing the world differently, but. My Myers Briggs score is um, ENTP, and that's uh, extrovert, <laughs> intuitive. Um, thinking is is it's thinking and feeling, and I'm sort of split right down the middle. And then perceiving, which if you look um, at those traits, they tend to be people who are inventors, innovators, creators, and that sort of thing. Um, and that's definitely what what lights my fire, what, you know, is my, is my passion. But I also, along with that goes learning. And I feel like a, you know, every day I feel like I'm trying to learn more and more things. And, and I love, I just love, um, enriching my world by other people's ideas and, um, science and discoveries. I mean, it, it's sort of, um, I'm a nerd like that. Wow. So, so any kind of, what kind of, I mean, what authors, what kind of, what books have, have um, what kind of, what people have shaped you, um, would you yeah. say? There's, there's been so many. It's, that's like, oh boy, that's a list of hundreds, but I would say, <laughs> yeah. I, I really do love C.S. Lewis and uh, not just, not just the Chronicles of Narnia, which are quite beautiful, yeah. but um, a lot of, a lot of his books. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, as far as, um, I've been very drawn to, I'd say in the last five, seven years, the contemplative form of spirituality, the contemplative tradition. And so writers in that vein, so um, Richard Foster and um, Thomas Merton and uh, the mystics, uh, the Spanish mystics like St. John of the Cross and uh, Teresa of (laughs) Avavilla. And uh, those, those, um, what's interesting for me, I think as an extrovert is that now on this side of life, you could say mid midlife ish, I, you develop your shadow side on the other side of that. And, and my shadow side is the not extroverted side. And so I, what I've noticed is this, this shift to, um, while I'm still, I'm still extroverted in the sense that people and ideas give me energy, I know that I need to nurture that other side quite a bit more. So the, mm. the side that is, that quiets down, that uh, speaks to God without words in prayer. And that is much more contemplative in, in nature of, of relating to God and other people and being rejuvenated from a quieter, still place. And so those, those are the books. Those are the authors that have spoke to, spoken to me most recently. And, um, and actually I, I don't have a, I should have maybe written some things down like that, but if anybody's interested in some of those, I've listed them on my website, some of the things I'm into and 
and read and been inspired by. But I've also in, in recent times have had more what are essentially mystical experiences. And I don't mean, um, charismatic or Pentecostal type experiences Mm. of, I'm not talking about those things like uh, speaking in tongues or something. Um, but mystical experiences where you have, uh, what is so hard to say in words, (laughs) but if you've had one, you, you would know, um, they're like unitive, uh, experiences of consciousness. And so it happens in, in meditation and prayer, uh, rare, I would say rarely. And it, it winds up being that you, that everything sort of falls away and you feel a communion with God in such a way that you can't undo or unsee or unexperience whatever has happened to you. Um, and so I'm kind of sorting that out now and I I don't have all the words for it yet. And I don't know that I even need to, but, Mm. um, it's, it's been a very transformative and, and spiritually forming part in the last few years and trying to, um, understand what that means in terms of my relationship with God and others. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. I mean, and I, I am, I'm kind of exploring this. I mean, you know, I mean, we've talked about it, but I'm kind of exploring this a lot myself. And, um, one of the things we're going to be doing on, on this podcast, um, in, in the few, in the coming months is, uh, a series on, on this, uh, kind of thing. Mm. I'm going to be talking about, kind of the mystics and um, non-dual thinking and contemplative spirituality and how that all connects with um, science and kind of psychology and um, and uh, spiral dynamics and consciousness and how this, this kind of interconnected spirituality, you know. Um, and it kind of, I, I don't know what your experience of this is, this, but for me, even, just, even though I'm just at the beginning of exploring these ideas, um, it already it's kind of blown my my relationship with God up and my my perception of God has got bigger my idea my my um my you know how I relate to God and how I who I who he is and how I see him the whole concept has just blown up in my mind and it's kind of um like a like any traumatic event you can't kind of explain it or put words in it straight away and sometimes you may never be able to but um but it sounds like you've kind of you're you on that journey as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because then when you read, you go back and read the Bible again, you're, you're thinking, Oh, well, I, I thought I was born of the spirit already. <laughs> and, and I think you are, there's, there's a, you know, it's a progression. It's a, it's a, it's a progression of spiritual maturity that happens. And I'm certainly not there yet. I won't ha- have arrived ever. Um, but you read them and, and you're, you're realizing, at least I should say I'm realizing, and people will see this differently, I assume, but mm. that Jesus is a mystic. He's talking about mystical experiences all the time, but yeah. no one can understand them. And I don't know that you can. You, you, you can't just all of a sudden understand them, but, but you can prepare your heart to, to go there in the first place, you know, the soil of your heart. Yeah. And then when it happens you you know what it was because god has already told you jesus has already mentioned it you you when he says that god will be worshiped in, in spirit and in truth to the samaritan woman or that um to nicodemus that you know you must be born again and he's talking about a spiritual born again um that has a lot of really it has a lot of levels to it and i think that 
God will draw you deeper and deeper into, into things. And you'll think, oh, well, I, I thought I already had a conversion experience. I thought I already sort of turned my life over. And then you'll realize that God is in and through everything in a way that you have never really been able to wrap your brain around before. And then, um, and everything changes and then you are sort of born from above. And then I think you continually get drawn into that deeper and deeper. And, and I'm sure that I'm going to have other experiences and, and other times with God that'll blow away whatever I'm thinking now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's that phrase, isn't there? The more you know, the less you realize. The more you, the less you know, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. The more you learn, the less you realize you know. And uh, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. You, you, you thought, like I, I often uh, have heard people say, "I wish I was 17 when I knew everything." Again, yeah, I knew every, I knew everything at 17, and you couldn't tell me anything because I, I knew every single thing you'd need to know. But, but it's true. The, the more you delve in, um, it's the rabbit hole, and you go down there, and there is no end to it. And as soon as you think you have figured out, have God figured out and you put him in a nice little box, uh, he'll explode the box and maybe explode your life in the process. And and in the end, you're back to the simplest things. You're back to, oh, this is a journey of faith. I don't know. I don't know what it's around the corner. I don't have the certainty. And that is that faith of a child that we're talking about. And I've noticed that that has a completely new meaning to me now to a deeper, richer meaning Yeah, yeah. about, about a childlike faith. Cause a child, if you think of it, a child is trusting of course. And, and that's part of it, but a child doesn't have necessarily a well-developed sense of self. It's just with, you know, a child will just be with you. It won't think necessarily unless it, unless it's got this self uh, scaffolding of self really developed, it won't think, won't start comparing itself and and trying to um, impress you all the time and trying to seem so smart and it's just kind of you know we're talking about a toddler here I think it's just going along with you and in the next step that you're doing and it's that kind of back to basics childlike faith that I think mm. is what um, that's that's you know God makes a heart in our home. But when we have the scaffolding of self and these ideas of self that are so entrenched, these thought patterns and uh, ideas of how things should be or comparing ourselves to other people, that's all construct. And that's God is deep, deep within apart from all that. You know, he's he's knocking at the door of our heart. And it's, he's not knocking at the door of our scaffolding of self. He's not, it's not the, the artifice that we've set up. It's the real us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's always great. I always love talking to people about this kind of thing because I always find, I don't know if, you, if this is true for you as well, but I always find talking to people about it, I learn more um, mm. about it just than just kind of, you know, just just sitting reflect. Obviously, you learn by by sitting and reflecting and praying and meditating. And but I always find when you're talking about somebody else, talking to somebody else who's got similar ideas, who's on the same kind of path, that actually you, you know, things just appear. You know, you just learn. You just kind of learn by just talking. Um, that's yeah, fascinating, isn't it? Um, there's so much more that we can learn for sure. So uh, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about these kind of things in. Um, future 
podcast together um, because Lisa is coming back uh, for sure. Um, and more on that later. But um, so, what are your kind of what are the projects you're working on right now? The kind of create projects that you're kind of in the midst of and you know that you're just about to put out there. Yeah, there's two. I could say something about um, that are they're really concrete. The one is. Uh, a book on discernment. I'm not going to share the title, so I'm going to unveil it in a wonderful surprise. But um, <laughs> it's a, that's it, that I um, shared with you just a few minutes ago. It's about discernment in the Ignatian spiritual tradition, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of things in there that will help people because when we're coming to make decisions, we will usually do things like um, you know we'll research if we're, if we're going to pick a job or um, a new home or a new car or something, we will do a lot of research and we you know, try to ask around. And, and there's a lot of things that we do, but we don't often sort of settle into the deep part of ourself and speak with God about it in a way that would, that would make perfect sense, actually. Um, and so these exercises allow you to use different ways of praying to God but in a much more integrated way. So one of them is one of the exercises is from it's, it's from Ignatian of Loyola. So he, he came up with these about 400 years ago and they needed a new rendition to me. So I, I kind of have revamped them and and streamlined them down and gotten rid of all that language. That's difficult to kind of, to kind of understand in this, at this point. And one of them is using your imagination in prayer and so people don't necessarily think it, about using their imagination in prayer. And so you can, you can do one of the exercises is where you are just first, you still yourself for, for a while. You kind of stop the chatter in your mind by maybe writing it down on a piece of paper or something. And you really quiet yourself down for like 15, 20 minutes. That's a, that's a Herculean episode in itself. Yes, <laughs> But uh, say you get there, um, and then you use your imagination in prayer to God. This is this is one of the maybe fourth or fifth exercises. There's a whole bunch to you can go through and pick which ones are helpful. And sometimes it helps to go through each one because it's a spiritual practice in itself that kind of tunes our ear to listen to the voice of God. And so in the imaginative one, you imagine that you are talking to God at maybe at the end of your life, for instance, about your decision. What would you say about it? What might God say to you about it? And, and I should mention too, that this is decision-making between it's a fork in the road. It's a decision between two good things. It's not a decision like I'm going to steal my neighbor's dog or I'm going to buy my own dog. You know, it's <laughs> not this kind of thing. It's a, not a moral not a moral issue or not a, um, I know I should do this right thing, but I want to do this thing that will bring me pleasure. It's not that type of decision, right? It's basically just choosing between two things, which both of them would be good. Both of them would be fulfilling. Both of them would yes, be positive, yes, but you're not yeah. sure which one to choose. It's like, exactly. So. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, so, so for the priesthood with, 
with with men uh, going into the priesthood, it's not like they were going to be like, I'm going to either be a priest or pretty much worship Satan. It was going to be like, should I devote my entire life to God and take these vows? Or should I, um, you know, find a, a woman to marry or find a vocation outside of that calling? And so it would it would be like, both are going to be pleasing to God. And it's sort of the toughest choices are the ones between good, better and best. And yes. so like, how do, so how do we get there? You know, so... And, you know, I, in, in my youth, I, I definitely was of the misguided opinion that there was one perfect, good and perfect will of God. And if I messed it up, if I, you know, found the wrong path or the wrong trail, it was going to lead me to destruction and displeasing God. Ah! And um, I think that, you know, God has joy and delight in the decisions that we make that are in keeping with his with his ways but that bring us joy. He, he has joy when we do, you know, uh, as any, as any parent might, when their child picks something to do that is right within their talents and right within their mm. passions, that brings immense joy to a parent. Yeah. And, and it's not like you'd have to pick one way. So I think this is kind of, it's a roadmap for, for choosing that, but it's not the kind of pressure situation where, what if I pick wrong? It's just sort of, you know, what makes, what makes the most sense and where do I sense God's leading? And, and it's in that way. So, so the imaginative prayer uses the powers of imagination and the mind, um, in a way that, that can help come to a decision. And there's other ones too, in terms of using your bodily senses. Now it's, it's funny because we can, we can pray and forget completely about our body as if it's not, if it's not a part of us. Yeah. And in this prayer, particular prayer exercise, you, you are just praying and quieting yourself down and you're thinking, you know, what is, what am I feeling in my body right now? And what you'll usually find is that unbeknownst to you, you've, your chest feels really tight when you feel anxious or you feel like you can't quite get the air in, or maybe, maybe you feel full of joy in the decision and full of, full of life and you feel expansive and free in your body. And, and just tuning into that can help you pick a better path. But sometimes we just think, well, prayer is just talking to God and, you know, or prayer is just looking, praying to God about something and then looking for a sign later. And then when a series of coincidences matches up, that's what the one I'll pick. And, you know, it doesn't have to be mm. like voodoo like that. <laughs> it can be, it can be where you just listen carefully to your body and to your, um, to the still small voice. And so this book is kind of about how to train for that, how to, become more receptive to that and uh that's going to be coming out it's in it's in the editing stage right now and i'm hoping in november i can roll it out and uh on sparkmymuse.com i'll kind of do an announcement and get it all set but that's the big one there and then um the other thing i'm doing that's sort of new that that may develop into a book is i'm doing something called um soul school which is part of the podcast and it's just shorter episodes that are going to go into different things on soul care and, and spiritual formation. And those are kind of little snippets that very well might work into a class that you can do a webinar or have handouts and, and things to go through or even go through with other people. And still in development, but that's kind of the, because the podcast has been largely interview based, I'm trying to also get it into some, some topics that I can write about and, um, and share some of the, the stuff I've been learning along the way. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds something very similar to what I want to do um, next year as well. Exploring all these those topics I, I mentioned, um, I'm still trying to figure out what that series looks like, actually, and what, what it's going to be. But um, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of ties in what we in 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 the work that we're both doing, isn't there? I think I think there's sure. some, a lot of overlaps and good overlaps. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of the next thing I wanted to, I was going to say, well, um, that, um, to, basically to, to all of you guys listening is that Lisa, Lisa and I are going to be doing a lot of, a lot more work together. Um, I'm going to be appearing on her, her podcast, um, a few times and talking about some stuff and she's going to be coming back on here talking about, probably about her book and about a lot of other things about creativity maybe and a few other things and there'll be other things that. We'll be working on together. So, so um, Lisa's going to be um, going to be kind of almost part of the team here um, for, um, on James talks. Um, so, um, yeah, because I just because I mean I'm not going to go into this in detail now, but um, I really believe in collaboration, and I think it's important that we all work together. That you know, we're on this journey together, and that we support each other and encourage each other, rather than being competition. Um, I mean, I think you'd, you'd agree with that, wouldn't you, Lisa? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think um, the, my last job that I had for for years time was working as a manager at a at a vineyard, and uh, the the owner is a Christian, and he got his start in the technology field in, in te- technology startups and things like that, and he said that in in technology startups, there's a thing that they call coopetition, so it's competition but it's cooperation because you really can't make it in that in that world mm. without a lot of cooperation you, you can see that with you know twitter and buffer and all these different places they all have these integrations with other companies and it's because they know that they're stronger together than they are separated and i think that that's that's the mindset for a new time we live in we don't live in a time where you just shove your way up to the top of the hill and push everybody else off and stand there for a while alone is that we're all better together. And I, I think that that's kind of the, the mindset and the, the kind of frame of reference we need as we, as we create, especially as creators, if, if you're out there listening and you're going to do some kind of project that's creative or a podcast or um, a book piece of music or something, you, just realizing that you're not alone makes a huge difference. But also when you can collaborate, it, it adds life to whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, yeah. So that's, that's going to be really, really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, all of that kind of thing. So um, just before we kind of um, close, um, how can people find you? Um, how can we connect with you? Yeah. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I, uh, you could, you can just straight up Google Lisa delay and I, I show up, but you can go to Lisa or spark at this point. They both go to the same location. I'm on Twitter at Lisa delay and Facebook and, and as well. And Pinterest and Instagram. I mean, it's, it's kind of an ending, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy hearing from people who, who hear the show and, uh, people who can sign up for my update letter, which gives links and kind of all the all the tidbits of announcements and things like that too. So, yeah, I very very much 
as, as you are new to the podcasting world, but I find that the connection in terms of long format audio is much, much richer situation than just writing and sending it out into, into the digital ether, you know, that there's something about audio and reaching people with your actual voice that gets through better. And we can, we can wind up making connections that are, that are richer and I think beneficial for, for both of us, for the listener and for the broadcaster. And so, yeah, I invite all of you listeners to come over and listen and you can find it on iTunes and of course, keep your eyes peeled for some of our collaborations and hopefully we'll get a few more people into a, a kind of an alliance of like-minded, a tribe, if you will. I think that would be fun. We can work towards that. And if anybody yeah, out there yeah, has yeah. a suggestion of who would make a good uh, a tribe, we could start to form and uh, support each other. I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'm, I am kind of really excited about, about all this kind of thing. And, um, yeah, as I say, I'm quite new to the podcasting world as well, but um, I'm already loving it. It really is exciting, and there's so many possibilities for it as well. So, fantastic. So, yeah, just... Uh, literally two two more things um looking back at your story um is there anything that you'd have done differently yeah i was thinking about that when you sent me that question and it's it's just one of those funny things because we're on a timeline with with life i'm so different now that i don't know that i could have done differently um but you know i have heard people on podcasts ask their listeners, or I mean, sorry, ask their guests, what would you have told yourself at at 10 years old or at 20 Mm -hmm. years old and 30 and so on? Um, And, you know, I think the thing that I would have told myself at all those stages is um, it's going to be okay. You're, you're okay. Just relax. (laughs) Don't, don't worry so much. Just calm down. I don't know if that 10 or 20 or 30 year old self would have been able to listen or understand or apply it. But, but I think I would have had compassion. I have compassion on myself looking back. And so if I have compassion on myself looking back 10, 20, 30 years, why don't I just have some compassion on myself now? Absolutely. That's wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. So, um, yeah, just as one last thought, I mean, if it's one thing you could say to kind of encourage, challenge people who are listening right now, what, what, what would that be? I would say, um, I wrote, I wrote this book called, um, Rex the Boy King and it's a, it's a picture book. It's something totally different than anything I had ever written it and it was, it's a children's book, but it's meant to be read by an adult to a child. And it's meant to, to enrich both of them in different ways. And there's a song that Nat King Cole sang a long time ago. Um, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and and to be loved in return. And, And that was the theme of the book. And, and I think that, um, if I were to say anything out there, that that would be my main, my main motto, my main message, but that, um, if you're out creating, uh, that you create from a place of love, not a place of need. I mean, you can, you can uh, express your need through, through your art for sure. And that's a powerful and important message to show that people are not alone to, to help people realize that they're not alone. But, 
but creating out of a point of generosity instead of desperation is a, it's just one of those things. If you can figure out how to do that and, and you'll figure it out by going deep inside to the realist reality, to the realist mm. thing, which is that God is your father. God is your father and you're a child of God. Jesus said so. And, and really realizing that you're born of the spirit. You're not, you're not born of your parents. That happened to happen to happen in biology, but you're really born of God. He made you, he's the source. And once you realize that grounding there, you, you are creating from such a point of, of acceptance and strength and love that that will be reflected in, in what you do. And you can, you can even, it's not to say that your art needs to be all these pretty pictures and nice, sweet things because there's pain in the world, mm. but you can have that resilience to shoulder the burdens of other people and to come to them and embrace them with the love that comes from the source. And so I don't know if that's going to make any sense to anyone out there, but I think that uh, go back to source is the, the most important thing. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Well, it's been really, really good talking to you. So I'm really, really pleased to have you on here. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. It's been my honor. That's great. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be having you back. So uh, this won't be the last you hear of Lisa, as we talked about. So, um, but, so that's all for, for this week, and we'll catch you next week on James Talks. <laughs>